We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether it's the audio side, whether it's uh, the video side. You know what? In fact, before I get into today's show, if you happen to be checking this out on YouTube, um, I got a shirt, JF70. Of course, it stands for John Fina. And I wanted to, to plug this real quick for a good reason. These shirts are 20 bucks plus five bucks for shipping. So 25 total. And the reason why I wanted to plug this is because every shirt that's sold, $13 is donated to um, the Gospel Rescue Mission. The guy who does these shirts makes quite literally zero money. All the proceeds go to the Gospel Rescue Mission. Um, John Fina, obviously, you know, former Buffalo Bills, great. He supports the cause. His name's literally on the shirt. So if you buy one, Tag John Fina on Twitter. I'm sure he'll retweet you, uh, give you a shout out. If you want one, the guy's name is Mark and his Twitter handle, his DMs are open. It's at Bills Mafia 617. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Pretty cool shirt. It would look a lot better if I didn't have so much neck fat going on right now. But anyway, wanted to plug that shirt. It is Casual Friday, of course. That means I'm joined as always by my good friend, Maintenance Day podcast host, Joe Yurden. What's going on, dude? How you doing? I'm doing good, dude. Doing good, dude. The, the neck fat thing, I, 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 I feel for you. I feel for you. I, I got like the whole rest of the body fat thing going for me. So <laughs> shoulders up, I look dynamic. Everything else, just a trash pit. Just yeah, a it's disaster. I'm going the wrong way, man. I guess yeah. you get older. <laughs> Aren't we all like that's? <laughs> you get older and like your metabolism's like, nah, man. We're done. We're, yeah. we're done. We're done giving a shit here. Like it's okay. Cool. Cool yeah. body. Thanks. Is what it is, man. And plus, yeah. by the way. I like, I'm a hoodies guy. I love wearing hoodies. Mm. Like if you go through the videos here, I'm almost always wearing hoodies. Mm -hmm. Anytime it is nice enough that I can get away with wearing like even a light fleece, I always do. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm more comfortable in them. Plus I get cold really easy. And also, like I said, man, I'm trying to hide being a little bit chunky right now to be quite <laughs> honest with you. But you got to have a t-shirt on when it's like this outside these yeah. last couple of days. I mean- I'm not going to complain because I hate the winter with a passion and you can't be mm -hmm. a hypocrite. So if I'm going to bitch about how cold it is, I can't be that guy who's going to bitch when it gets hot. But 
Yeah. Yo, these I mean, last couple of days have been in hot. Like, I've lived in Florida for five years. This feels like Florida to me right now. Yeah. This is, um, I, l- listen, I, all I know is that my apartment doesn't reach 85, 88 degrees in winter <laughs> or fall or spring for that matter. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not officially summer. I mean, won't be officially summer for a few days, but right. man, this, this stinks, dude. I, it's, you know, it's the, it's the too stupid cliche. It's not the heated sea humidity, but it's totally true. Yeah, sure. like it was, if it was 80 degrees and dry, like I could deal with that. Big like, difference. You, you're sweating and you can't get rid of sweat. Just forget. Sweating existing. Like, nah, nah. I, I learned that in Florida, Joe, there is heat and then there is humidity. I've were there were days in Florida where it'd be in the high seventies and it was comfortable out. Then there were days mm-hmm. in Florida when the high seventies where you couldn't breathe. It was yeah. just so sticky. Yeah. It's, oh, like, I w- when I was in Myrtle Beach, it got to like, it was like 83, 84, a couple of those days. Like, I think one day it was like even 88. Could t- I mean, granted, you got like the sea breeze coming off sure. the ocean, but like you c- you had no idea it was even that hot out. Like it's sunny. It's gorgeous. You're just kind of like, oh, this is really nice. What's the temperature? 88? 88? Wow, really? I didn't even know that. Right. Here, when it, whenever it gets like the 85 here, it's kind of like you, you, you know it's 85 and you think it's 95. It's just. No. I hate it so much. I just, <laughs> I hate it so much. Like, I listen, I'm an upstate New York guy forever, but like I went to college in a place where, where it's winter, you know, eight, eight out of the nine months sure. that you're in college. And now I live here where it's winter, what, eight of the 12 months of the year, right. basically like, you know, I, I, I'm not cut out for this. Like this is, this is why if like, if I was ever offered a job in like Florida or Texas or louisiana someplace like that it's like you got to double whatever you're offering because that's the only thing that's going to make it worthwhile for me to sweat my ass off yeah see i'm the opposite but this is pushing it a little bit but again i i you have a right to complain when it's hot i don't because you embrace (laughs) the colder months whereas we all know how much uh i hate it so i I, there are a few things that i want to make sure we get to today we're going to talk because we've talked about it a couple times jordan poyer and his contract situation I think there was an interesting development this week on the positive side. If you're a Bills fan and you like Jordan Poyer, we're going to talk about that. Um, Saber suffering, that's a term we've been hearing for nearly a decade now. We're going to talk about that and is that coming to an end? Our starting five draft this week, Robert De Niro movies. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Got a, a Phil Mickelson take too. You know what? We didn't talk about this beforehand. Before we tape, generally, I'm like, we don't go over in detail what we're going to talk about, but I usually kind of throw it. I was like, hey, we're going to hit on this, this, and that. Because mm-hmm. I just found this out this morning, and I want to ask you because you worked at The Athletic. So um, mm-hmm. you know many, really? many of your colleagues yes. work there, so you know a mm-hmm. lot of people at The Athletic. Policy came down, because the New York Times owns The Athletic now. Mm-hmm. And apparently, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Um apparently no more political thoughts could be tweeted. Like if I'm, mm. if I'm understanding it correctly, yeah. like you're not allowed to tweet about politics anymore. Yes. One way or the other, is that an enforceable uh, policy? Well, I, I suppose it is because it's cut and dry. You, get, you mm-hmm. mean, there'll be evidence out there. If somebody puts out a tweet, but do you personally, is that something that you agree with? If you were, well, put it this way, answer it as a writer. Mm-hmm. And also answer it as management because I don't know if it's so cut and dry. You know, I know everyone's like, I want to say what I want to say. 
I don't know. There's pros and cons to it. I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, first off, it's uh, really it. I, this is a phrase that I use for another topic we got coming up uh, that we're going to be talking about. Something we did prepare for, uh, but this is very morally bankrupt of the New York Times. Yeah, because you look at their editorial page and it's a, it's a goddamn disaster, and like the whole thing is just insane. Like it's it's packaged insane nonsense half the time and putting a gag order on sports people and saying like stick to sports and the easiest way to get anybody in like anybody is to tell them you can't talk about this you know like and if you're going to tell sports people stick to sports like well, well sorry dude that's not how it works sports are inherently political like sure. that's you know it, it for christ's sake Bill Stadium deal, uh, everything going on with the with the Washington Commanders, like you know any any kind of arena or stadium thing that goes on where it involves public money, like that's politics. That's always politics. And I know that they're referencing like national stories, hot button topics, things like that. They're just like we don't want to upset people because it, it goes back to like the whole um, Michael Jordan thing where it's like, well, you know, even Republicans buy sneakers, and it's like they don't want to they don't want to have anybody turn somebody off that might want to spend god like who knows i don't even know how much it costs for a time subscription because they because now they if you get a time subscription you're automatically into the athletic that's how they work that which it's gonna be really interesting to see how they how they do that because i don't think the new york times is going to sell themselves for a dollar a month right. deals so right. um that's a whole other topic but um it's ridiculous it is it is patently ridiculous of the times to do that like and the the fact that they think you can separate sports and politics is is insane because they're they are inherently tied together especially now you know maybe back in the day it wasn't as big of a thing because you know teams played in basically community fields you know big stadiums that were just kind of like oh well it's you know it's part of the city that's how it goes um but now when you're got now when you got like you know again you know, we don't have to look very far for this. You know, the, the Bill Stadium deal is what, 800 million of New York State money. And, you know, the fact that it just got like just jammed through, you know, because, you know, Kathy Hochul is from Buffalo and, you know, it's it was a deal that made sense to them, quote unquote. And the fact that you've still got this area ponying up 400 whatever million for I forget what it, I forget what the numbers are. But the fact that you're putting the, the state, the entire state on the hook for, for a stadium that, you know, outside of Erie and Niagara County, most everybody around here probably doesn't want their money to go to that. Right. I mean, it's, you know, like you can't you can't just separate these two things. It's it's impossible in this day and age. And to have your sports writers, you know, muzzled, essentially, like that's crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy. And it's, you know, you 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 you. you you know, the old gray lady, as it's called, is is always, you know, it's talked about free speech and journalism and all this. And like, you're going to tell your reporters to, to not talk about things going on in their yeah. community and their neighborhood and their country. Like, get fucking lost, man. Like, that's that's bogus. I ha I don't know a lot of uh, people who work for the athletic. I obviously know Tim Graham mm -hmm. well. I, I have a hard time seeing Tim Graham if he's got a thought, whether it's politics or something about something going on socially. Mm -hmm. To use your 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 term, which I agree with, muzzled. I have a mm -hmm. hard time believing that that's going to uh, stop him. May I'm yeah. wrong. 
I don't, no, no. I, I don't know. Listen, I will tell you this though, Joe. If somebody knows no. how to toe the line, it's Tim. Oh, sure, absolutely. Tim, Tim's, Tim's an expert. He will he, he, he will a find good... a way to make it worth <laughs> to, to make it worth you know having that argument with him. He does toe the line very well. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'll say this, and, and this I'm drawn to, look from my own experience, and I'm nowhere near as popular, say a Tim Graham or a lot of people who work for the Athletic. I've found from my own personal experience, and that's why I think this was a an interesting topic, is because. Every time I tweet about politics, see, this is where I say it's kind of a double-edged sword. Every time I tweet about something political and it doesn't matter what side I take because I am, right. and I've been very honest about it, I, I consider myself an independent. I am not loyal to either party. There's mm -hmm. times where I side with one over the other or whatever, or just a policy. But my point was this, anytime I tweet about something like that, I lose followers. And it don't matter what side I take. I can be the biggest Trump fan in the world. I treat, uh, you know, I tweet about him, I'm losing followers. I could be the biggest Biden fan in the world. I tweet about him losing followers. Anytime mm -hmm. I tweet something, I've noticed that I lose followers. Now, maybe a large part of it is because people really don't give two shits about what I have to say outside mm -hmm. of sports. Whereas somebody who works for the athletic, somebody like, I'm just using Tim because I know him well. Yeah. You know, somebody like Tim Graham, people do care more about what he might have to say beyond just the work he does. Where someone like me, they literally don't care. So that part, I can understand from a, a management point of view that, hey, you're going to cost, you start tweeting about this, you're going to, you might cost us, you're costing yourself Twitter followers or you're costing us potentially subscriptions. There's no, you know, way, people. there's no way a writer is going to cost the New York Times money. That's what I'm saying there's though. Cause no it's different way with the New that's York. That's possible. With, you're right. With that's the New York impossible. Times. Not to mention. For it's just, a property they just acquired, there is zero chance that somebody reporting sports is going to cost the New York true. Times True. And, uh, and to your point, and I agree with this as well. I also think it's unethical to tell a Tim Graham or a Matt Fairborn or Whoever the hell's, don't matter who it right. is, somebody from the athletic. Yo, if you got something to say about whatever, Biden, or you got something to say about gun reform yeah. or whatever, don't mm. say it. It, it. It's just, it's unethical, man. It's, it's, the, the thing that gets me about this is that they they essentially want, um, they want there to be the separation. Like people as, you know, sports is an escape for people. Sure. Which is true. It's, it's very true. It is. Um, and they want sports people to be able to keep that facade up that like people are reading sports because they don't want to deal with the real world because they want to stay away from this stuff. Well, when you got like the Tampa Bay Rays players coming out and, you know, not putting pride stuff on their uniform because they don't believe in it. Like, dude, yeah, it's like, just, religion, you know, get fucking lost. Like, please just give me a break with that shit or, right. or, or you know. You get like, uh, geez, I, I don't know. There, there's all kinds of just insane stuff. I mean, I, I think back to like when um, when Tim Thomas didn't go to the White House when the Bruins, after the Bruins won the Stanley Cup because they didn't want to meet Obama. Okay, I mean, that's his choice. Like, that's fine, but it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, well, what the hell's up with Tim Thomas? It's like, well, you know, there's a lot going on with Tim Thomas, okay? But like the fact that he was just like, nah, I don't want to meet him. Like, it's not a big surprise, but like, you know, that's his choice. Now, people always made it, you know, a huge big deal when, you know, players didn't want to go meet Trump. Like, okay, that's their choice. They just don't want to do it. It's fine. You know, it's fine. They got their reasons. Now, granted, there's a lot more reasons, a lot sure. more reasons there, but, um, but it's, but it's insane to, to, to try to hold sports people to that standard when they're inherently tied together today. You know, like it's, 
you can't you cannot that's not like a separation of church and state thing that's that's just a that's just straight up impossibility you cannot you cannot do sports without there's being some kind of political angle being involved aside from just scores and some of the stories right it, because everything else is tied into it you know if you're talking, if you're going to talk ownership stuff it's all political like if you're going to get into the stadium deals it's 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 it, you can't get away from politics stuff like there's just too much involved with it to to you know to to get away with it. I it, like think back to when what was it the Arizona Cardinals when the Bidwells were like like we don't we're not gonna we don't recognize Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and the NFL was like, dude, like you're never like sorry you're not gonna host any league events ever if, unless you you know come off of that. And they're just kind of like mm, okay, I guess like some of these people need to get dragged into the into modern times and right. I agree. It, just letting it you know letting people you know just not allowing sports people to say, you know, the emperor's got no clothes is insane. Yeah, I agree. Good take. You're right. hundred uh, percent. Before we get into Buffalo stuff, I, I, I have to touch on Phil Mickelson. Okay. I, I, I have to say this too, because speaking his, of politics, <laughs> speaking of politics, his, um, his fall from grace to me is absolutely uh, remarkable. I mean, of course we all know now he took $200 million joined the LIV Golf League, I don't even want to say tour, the league. Uh, we, we talked about this a little less. Everybody at this point knows mm -hmm. what that league, or, you know, the, the origins of it. Let's just leave it at that. Not a popular decision. Um, clearly a money grab and morally unethical. That's what a lot of people think, including myself. But anyway, Phil Mickelson specifically, his fall from grace to me is just freaking remarkable. 13 months, Joe, th about 13 months ago, this guy won the 2021 PGA championship at the age of 50. And he was, this guy was on top of the world. And I'll never forget um, him walking down that 18th fairway on Sunday, knowing he's going to win this. And that crowd behind him, it was like one of the more epic scenes I've ever seen in golf. It was just, it was absolutely uh, mm -hmm. remarkable. Now, uh, a lot of fans hate him. And... I bet, and we kind of, you get a little bit of uh, hints at it. I think a lot of tour players do as well, you know, and uh, you can just tell. And it, it fascinates me because I started thinking about it. You and I talked about this on Twitter earlier in the week, and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of precedent for somebody who's fallen from grace so hard who didn't break a law. You know, though, there's lots of, Famous athletes, popular athletes who fell from grace because uh, they've broken the law or they've gotten caught cheating the sport, you know, mm -hmm. using drugs or whatever, whether it was Alex Rodriguez or, or Lance Armstrong. But there's not a lot of people who have fallen from grace because of moral, unethical behavior mm -hmm. and fill it, you know, pull up. And it says, and if you're watching this on video, I'll pull up this shot again. He just... And he's wearing all black. He's growing a beard. He just—he almost looks creepy, man. You know, it looks like like he's Darth Vader now or something. I don't know, but I was thinking long and hard. It's like maybe Tiger Woods when when he got caught with the, you know the extramarital affairs. You know, obviously that's morally wrong. Um, that really yeah. hurt his image a lot. But he came back from that. Everyone loves Tiger now. I'm not sure Phil for what he's doing right now is ever coming back. And one last thing too, I, I'm a big golf fan. Obviously this is the U S open going on this week right now. 
And we're taping this, by the way, before he tees off. He's teeing off in the afternoon, so or late in the, in the afternoon. So I don't know how he's mm-hmm. going to play in this first round. I would imagine not well. But anyway, that press conference on Monday, he was, I, he was so defensive. I never seen him more defensive. And uh, he just, he, he, it just, it wasn't well, man. I, I don't know, man. Can you remember something like this where a, a fan favor, because Phil was one of the two most popular, two or three most popular players in golf. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like, nah, fuck him. I, uh, first off, let me, let me just correct. I misspoke before about the bid, but Bidwells were very supportive of Martin Luther King day. The state of Arizona said it wasn't a holiday. So they, they fought against that. So I, I misspoke there. Forgive me. Um, but about Phil, uh, (laughs) I don't know that there's that I've seen like a, a singular player just kind of just have their, the favor sway on them that quick, maybe since Jack Eichel, (laughs) right. On a local level. (laughs) Sure. on a local level, but good, on a national comparison. level, locally, I mean, this, locally, you're right. That's a great comparison too. This is like, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, I used the term morally bankrupt before, but like, this is Phil just being bankrupt and morally bankrupt. Like, do we know, we know he's a huge gambler. We know, you know he can't not have action going. And the fact that he takes the big payout is not a huge surprise, honestly, like, you know, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not a big surprise to me. And, the fact that he's acting, you know, kind of rough about being asked about this, like, dude, I don't know what you're expecting. <laughs> you know, like you're gonna get asked about this for a long time. I'm and surprised I, he's I, playing I, the U.S. Open. I'm surprised, to be honest with you. I'm not. He's, he's listen. These guys are in it for for personal fame and also personal enrichment. Um, and Phil's very obvious that he's he's all about the money, and he's you know, listen, he's got. You have pride in your own legacy. If you if you're allowed to play in the major and like you know, U.S. Opens open. I mean, it's literally open to everybody. You know, as long as you as long as you qualify and you're you know you're you're okay. Like you're in, you know you're in. Right. But like, there was no way he wasn't gonna play in it. And of course, you know, of course he's gonna be asked about this. Like he's you know I don't know how many other guys from the LIV are, are taking part in the U.S. Open, but but yeah, like you know, Phil's he's a he's a huge star. But now he's now he's wearing the black hat almost literally. Like he's he's the he you know he's he's the guy that's just kind of like yeah whatever man I'm in it for the money. He like, even looks care. like a villain physically right now. Yeah. He, he looks like a bad guy in that press conference. Yeah. His, his clothes, his, his facial hair, the just his hair, the it's, way he yeah. looks. Joe, a year ago, and again, I am a Phil fan, and we talked about mm-hmm. this on the podcast previously. Man, this guy was he could do no wrong. You know, the, the, the thumbs up he's famous for in the, in the calves, always tweeting about it and doing exercises with his calves, put them on Twitter, fucking mm-hmm. hilarious videos. Talk about hitting bombs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, he was on a couple of those with Josh Allen just playing in the match. He was in a few mm-hmm. of those. And a year later, it's like, just, you yeah. know, I've always, Tiger's not playing. Obviously this is the U S open this week and I would always root for Phil. And it's funny. I'm one of those guys. I always, I root for the American guys to win like the majors. You know what I mean? It's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's a country pride thing, but I'm rooting for Rory. I, I hope Phil misses the cut. Fuck him. That's how I, <laughs> that's how I feel right now about, about mm-hmm. him, which is really sad to me because again, I, he was one of my favorites and it's what he did and kind of, he's not owning it. I think that's the, the, the worst part. He, he just own it. Say, yo man, I'm in it for the money. Would you say no to $200 million? That would be my kind of initiative at press conferences. Well, what are, what are you going to do? 
Yeah. Just talk about the it's, money, but you know, acting like it's not morally wrong is what he's doing. And that's yeah. what's making everyone turn on him. I just, yeah. again, you got to go back to Tiger Woods and his affairs, or maybe John Rocker with the racist shit oh, when he was man. with Atlanta Braves. Those Insane might be, person. yeah, those yeah. are maybe the only people I, I could think of. I th I don't think anybody liked John Rocker though. I think, think there's a big, I think there's right. a big difference there right. because exactly. he was just kind of like a he was a doucher. Turd. Yeah, he's a douche yeah. before that shit came out. That's yeah. what I'm it's saying. Just, you know, but then he opened his mouth and really confirmed it for everybody. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. He's just like, I'm on the subway with this, you know, this AIDS crack whore, blah blah blah. Dude, shut the hell up. Man. I, like, I I never, yeah, clown. I know. I never thought but, the day would come where I root against Phil. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know, man. I, I I wonder how many of you know the American guys that have have jumped to the LIV have maybe uh, miscalculated how uncomfortable the entire Saudi Arabia thing makes people feel. Like it's not really an open discussion, really. I mean, it, it is in some circles. I mean, I guess within the sports circles. <laughs> funny, funny how that that whole that whole politics thing comes up again with you know the Saudi Saudi Arabia alliance thing. But you know, it's um. But it's something with that, like, you know, the whole thing with, you know, with Khashoggi, what happened with him, everybody's just kind of like, man, these guys, these are bad people. Like, these, this is a bad, yeah. this is a bad group, man. Like, how, how can you, how can you jump in with those guys? Like, that's, it's weird, man. Like, they've, they've kind of put their money behind a lot of really bad stuff. And now you're, now you're taking their money. That's, it's uh, a little weird. Two. And again, I say this, I say this from the standpoint, like, where, where is it? I got my Newcastle flag right behind me and like, Saudi, you know, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia bought the team. Like, what am I gonna do? I can't. I'm not changing teams. Right. It's like I said last week. You know, it's, yeah, you, you said know, it last why, week. Why should I change? They're the ones who suck. You know, <laughs> there are it's, two. It's of that the, whole thing. But like with Phil, like you can just be like, I always kind of thought he sucked. Now nah, he really sucks. He's so polarizing that two Americans who are two of the best American players in the world, Dustin Johnson and Bryce Bryce and uh, DeChambeau, they mm -hmm. they bolted. They're not getting half the shit that Phil is because it's Phil and just how popular he was, well, you know, Bri Phil's Bryce is, I don't like the heat. I don't like Bryson. I didn't like him before this and I don't like him yeah. now, but at least to his credit, he said straight up, it was a business decision. He said that Phil mm -hmm. hasn't really said that he's trying to defend his actions. And it's just, it's not, unless you say it's just for the money. Yeah. It's still not I, defendable, I, but at least it's viable. Then you're being accountable. Yeah. I guess it's just, you know, faceless, baseless greed is just kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, we get it. We took the money and ran. Like, I understand. I, th I think that's, I think that's a spot where more, more people would identify better with because yeah. you get offered nine figures to do something like you probably get to say yes. I mean, depending on what, it, especially if it's golf, like, you know, getting paid over a hundred million to play golf. Yeah. Okay. Where do I sign up? Guaranteed money. <laughs> you too. know, right. Like you don't even have to win it through everything you're just getting bonus money every tournament like cool great if i win it i get an extra four mil on top like that's just it's an obscene amount of money like let's let's not get let's not get you know confused there that's just a stupid amount of money no matter what but but i don't know it's it's uh what was it? i saw john rom talking about this and he i think i think it was john rom and he said something to the effect of like he's like listen you know i've made enough money in my career already to be able to retire now and mm -hmm. live comfortably. And it's, you know, he goes, I don't, you know, that's something I don't need to do. It's something I don't need to explore. He, he was very well thought out in what he said. And it was basically just, basically just saying like Phil and the, the rest of these guys are just kind of like, you know, it's just, it's greed and it, it doesn't come from, you know, greed's greed's coming from a bad spot anyways, but greed with this 
kind of backing is is a lot worse. Yeah, and one last thing on that too. Rory won the Canadian Open last week. He beat Justin Thomas in a thrilling uh, climatic finish. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think he said it best. And, and Rory's been pretty outspoken about being against this league and mm-hmm. Phil and these guys playing in it. He said it straight up. He, he And again, I'm paraphrasing, but he talked about how much it meant to, to beat Justin Thomas and win that tournament last week, where he says the LIV golf, he goes, it meant nothing. Their, their league, it means nothing. The golf mm-hmm. means nothing. And I, I just thought that was odd. I don't, I don't know if you watched any of that first tournament, because it was, I guess they're showing it on YouTube. I, I saw a couple LIV, of highlights. Just watching it, it was. it looks like a tour where it's everybody's mailed it in. Like they're, they're all getting paid and they're just kind of like, whatever, it's three rounds, barely a tournament, whatever. Let's just go hack around and, you know, might as well be slamming beers while they're playing, you know, like that's, that's the kind of level that it's at. Like this, how, I don't understand how you're going to get actual, you know, all out competition between these guys when they're all getting paid like crazy. Like you just, you're not going to go as hard there. I mean, it's not like you're getting paid peanuts. You know, and here comes the hot take alarm right now, but it's not like you're getting paid peanuts on the PGA tour and like, you know, listen, the U.S. Open is going to be worth more than it, it's ever been this year because they're just kind of like, hey, we found some more money. Like, weird how that worked out. But <laughs> um, but it's but it's like but it's at least like it's something where, you know, the difference between making a million and like, I don't know, I don't know how, you know, what the money is when you when you're down like in the middle of the board or, you know, if you know, once you you know, once you make the cut, like you're guaranteed to get paid. But the difference between, you know, being you know, middle of the road, middle of the way and at the top, there's a big difference there. And it's like, you're making that like just to make money for yourself for the year. You don't, you're not going home with like a guaranteed, you know, triple figure money. Like not, I mean, all these guys have like sponsorship deals or whatever. Cause I mean, just the shirts or hats, the balls, everything, you know, like they all got sponsorships, but, um, but it's, it's, it, it's, but like, there's, there's actually that competition. Like these guys actually want to win. They actually want to beat each other. Whereas LIV, I don't get the sense that, you know, maybe this may, you know, maybe that'll change over time, but I get no sense that these guys even give a crap about beating each other. They're just kind of like, yeah, just three rounds, go play somewhere and cash the checks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative 
global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back with Joe. You're in Casual Friday. Let's switch to some Buffalo topics here uh, quickly because this is worth noting because we've talked about this um, several times actually on this podcast over the last handful of weeks or so. Jordan Boyer, of course, wants a new contract. We all know that. And uh, he didn't show up to OTAs. And this past week or this current week was Buffalo Bills mandatory minicamp. And there was a lot of speculation that maybe he wouldn't show up or that if he did, he wouldn't participate. Like he would show up and not do anything. Well, if you're a Bills fan, and again, if you like Jordan Poyer, I think this was really good news. Jordan Poyer does come to mandatory minicamp and he isn't a hold in. He fully participated, both practices. Um, I personally, I think that's a really good sign. It shows that, you know, he he still wants a contract, obviously, but he's not bitter right now towards the organization. And maybe he's uh, confident that something will get done because he's here and he's participating. I think that's a, a sign of good faith. Now, we know nothing what's going behind the scenes. We don't know if they're working on a deal, how close, maybe they're close to a deal, and we have no idea. But regardless, you know, Bill's minicamp, Joe, look, I get it. <laughs> Joe, or, um, or not Joe, uh, Matt Perino and Sal Capaccio and all these guys who cover the beat for a living, I get it. I know what they're, it's their job. Observations from minicamp, you know, I get it. You're doing your job. That said, I don't give a shit about anything in terms of mini camp stuff. Tavon Austin looking good in shorts, competing against air. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. no, no pads. I've, I've, I've read that OJ Howard looks a little bit slow. These things like that. I look again, you're doing their, their job and they do it well. All, all the beat reporters, they, they do a mm -hmm. good job and this is what they're supposed to do. I don't care. I put zero stock into it. I went into this camp caring about one thing and one thing only. Is Jordan Poyer showing up? Because I thought that would be pretty telling. Turns out he did. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess I'm just asking you if you think that Poyer showing up and participating, if, if you're a Bills fan, you, you consider that a pretty good sign? I think you take it at face value. Like, yeah, it seems seems like it's a good thing. I mean, at least, you know, any sort of contract discussion, squabbles, you know, whatever. You know, he wants, he wants the extension. He deserves an extension. Um at least all that stuff's being tabled for now. Now, when real camp opens up and he's he decides like, eh, I don't know, maybe maybe I'll show up. I don't know. We'll see. Like if if something like that happens, then yeah, okay, time to worry. But right now, hey, nice and easy. Right. But it 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 does speak to the power of peer pressure, though, because I imagine you know, listen, it's Super Bowl or bust this year. 
you know, make the Super Bowl, but not necessarily, you know, probably win too. I mean, it'd be nice to win. Got to get but there. Like, you you got to get there. Um, and if you start putting it on your, you know, putting it on yourself in a season where that's the, you know, the main thing is like, got to be a team, got to be together. we got to, you know, we got to get there. And you just said, yeah, no, but I, you know, I need another contract and this is the way I can make it happen. Uh, I think that's a good way to get yourself in a lot more crap with the rest of the room because sure you can't like, how do you trust that guy's going to have your back? Cause that's, you know, it's a big thing about especially secondary work. Like you got to trust that your guy's going to be, be there to do his job. Now, you know, if he, if he's not going to show up for, you know, for mini camp or whatever, then you got to be like, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, if you're Micah Hyde, you're like, he's my guy. He's got to be here and he's not here. Like, you know, sometimes you can separate it into business and football, but when your goal is, when your goal is to win the Super Bowl, I mean, that's everybody's goal. I get it. But like when you're a team that can, actually when your win realistic it, goal is to right. win the Super Bowl, the Detroit right. Lions realistic goal is not to win right. the Super Bowl this year. Like they Buffalo say, they, you know, they say it was like, we well, want to get to a Super Bowl in Detroit. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, I also would like to have $10 million show up in my front step. Neither is going to happen. Right. But, you know, for the Bills, though, like winning the Super Bowl is, is, is very possible. And if you, if you're somebody that's going to kind of take away, from that with your, you know, with something that you're looking to get done for yourself, uh, that, can, that can cause problems. And so, I mean, it's good. It's good that Poyer isn't doing that. And it's, you know, hopefully that's, that's a, that's a sign of things to come for the, for the beginning of camp, because, you know, I've seen it plenty in the past where guys are looking for a new deal and, you know, camp starts up and they're just kind of like, nah, I don't know. Let's, let's see. Let's, let's get this worked out first. I think he's going to be ultimately rewarded, whether it's uh, an extension before training camp too, by the way, I'm saying, because I don't want, I don't think they want this to potentially become a distraction. Mm -hmm. I say, I think either something is done in terms of an extension before camp, or maybe they don't extend him, but maybe they give him, or they got the money to do it. They can tear up his contract and give him a one-year deal, give him a raise for this year. And then say, mm -hmm. listen, you've earned this. We're going to give you a, a bump this year. And, uh, and then we'll see what happens after this year, but be all in for this year. Here's a raise. You've earned mm -hmm. it. You've been one of the best players. By the way, safety has become a much more of a premium position in the NFL mm -hmm. because the league throws so much. Three, what, yeah. three, four wide receiver sets. Tight ends are more dangerous than ever. So the safety role in a defense is, is more important now than ever. So it's mm -hmm. not just a, a throwaway position that's easily interchangeable, like say guard. You know what I yeah. mean? Safeties are are very important. So uh, I think something will get done before camp. I just I I think it's a good sign that he showed up and that he participated. I, th I, I think your idea of, you know, if you're worried that something's not going to get done of just saying like, listen, we're going to give you a boost this year. Then we let's circle back at the end of the year, but like, we're going to pay you more this year. Cause you, yeah. know, you know, listen, you, you deserve it. You're all pro. Like you're, you know, him and him and Hyde were fantastic last year. Mm -hmm. Pay your guys. Yeah. So, you know, if, if that's a way to kind of, you know, calm the waters. If you're, if you're thinking there might be some issue, that's a great, to me, that's a great way to do it. Just make sure it's all guaranteed. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and again, there's a lot of people out there who still wonder, and we've explained this before. Why is he not just, why would, why won't they just give him more money? And why won't they give him a new contract for two, three, four years, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. It's because it's not that simple. Right. And we've talked about this. Brandon Bean has a lot of tough decisions to make with the cap between that Oliver and Dawson Knox and, mm -hmm. Those are guys who could be coming up next year. And then uh, Gabe Davis in two years. He's emerging into a star. There's just point being. Edmonds too, you know. Tremaine Edmonds, big time decision to make on him after this season. So 
there's a lot of commitments and a lot of decisions to be made. And Poyer is not young, and we've talked about this too. Mm -hmm. Still a very good player on top of his game, oh, though. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, give him something. Make sure he gets more money this year uh, and then circle back. But anyway, I, I thought that was pretty interesting that he uh, that he showed up for camp, and I think that's a good sign. I do want to point out, too, turn to the Sabres quick. We'll talk about him more you know, and sometime in the next couple of weeks. I could do an entire podcast. Maybe we will devoted to Ryan Miller um, on and off the ice, his career in Buffalo, one of my all-time favorite guys. Again, not just on the ice, but off the ice. Thought it was really cool that the team uh, is going to retire his number next season. Mm -hmm. They put out a video where they, um, you know, they revealed to him while he was on the, uh, well, not the ice, but on the, in, the arena in the arena with his kid yeah. near the net. I, and they played it on the Jumbotron with Rick Jenneret. I thought that was fucking super cool, man. So mm -hmm. anyway, well, I just, Props in that was awesome, and I want to be able to devote more of a podcast to that. So we'll talk about that um, soon. I, what I what I kind of want to talk about for the next few minutes is, and we're I mean we're going back and Jesus Christ suffering. We've been hearing that word suffering now for what nine years. Uh, <laughs> there was a term words, man. <laughs> suffering's a term used by then Sabres GM Darcy Regeer back in it was late April of 2013 when he. Um, said the infamous line, it may require some suffering. That was a specific line. And again, this was a little more than, what, nine calendar years yeah. ago. He said that. Now, I guess this is the question I got to ask for you. Do you, the Sabres probably aren't going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Um, you know, like I just said with Detroit, I was making kind of a yeah. wisecrack about the Lions you know, they're real, is there a realistic goal to get to the Super Bowl? Or do they want to mm -hmm. get there? Sabres want to get to the Stanley Cup. Realistically, can they? I don't think I don't think the answer is yes to that. But do you feel confident now that the suffering is finally over? And before I turn it over to you, I would surmise to people that if I asked you this question in 2015, if we were doing this podcast and they were losing, but now they have Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt and Ryan O'Reilly was still on the team at the time. I would have said, Joe, is the suffering still over? You would have said probably at that time. Yeah. Do you feel better and different about this Buffalo Sabres group right now to say, yeah, I think the suffering's over now. Again, what's your I'd definition of suffering? But <laughs> your, uh, your prediction of what I, what I said back in 2015 was wrong. Cause I said, I don't know. Like it's on, it's on, the, it's, in, it's going in the right direction on paper. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's the way it seems. And that's, that's the same thing I'll say now. Like, it seems like it's going in the right direction. Now this is, it, it's more believable this time, I think, because you see the way, you know, the guys play the, 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 the pace of play that they play, um, the style that they've been doing. Like you, you can see that. All right. Yeah. This, this is something to build on. This is something to go with. Um, you know, whereas, you know, back then it was okay. Well, you know, we got, Eichel, we trade over O'Reilly. We've got Kane, we got Leonard, we got all these guys, you know, this is, you know, this is the makings of a, of a team that can go to the playoffs and go deep where, you know, stuff happens and it doesn't, doesn't work that way. But, um, but with this group though, it's, I, I can't say it's, it's suffering's over with, like it ain't over until you make the playoffs. Um, and right now I, I can't say that this is a playoff team. You know, like, I, I think they will be, they'll be in the contention for a spot. I mean, you know, granted saying that this before they have a goalie or they have two goalies, 
they don't have any goalies right now and you don't know how they've we don't know how they're going to address the defense we don't know you know if there's going to be any shuffling at the forwards we don't you know we don't know we don't know what's going to happen you know is tage thompson going to be able to score 40 again next season i don't know you know is skinner going to score like 33 35 again next year i don't know like can olsen score 30 next year i don't know maybe like you know is he still getting part of the team i don't know there's way too much up in the air there's there's so much stuff up in the air that I can't, I can't say the suffering. They had 75 points this last season, uh, but it was like, it was a happy 75 right. because everybody thought they were going to have 55 and it was just kind of like, Hey, Hey, they're not as bad as we thought, but maybe the term, pick, maybe the still term, pick a ninth in the draft, man. Maybe you know? the like, term suffering is, uh, well, we have to stay that, say the term, cause that's literally what Darcy Regeer yeah. said, but I don't know, maybe suffering is, uh, some people might say suffering ends when they make the playoffs. Some people might say suffering ends, when they play a meaningful game in the middle of March, which mm-hmm. in this fucking organization doesn't happen, but in a decade <laughs> now, I can't remember the last time on St. Patrick's Day where I remember the Sabres played a game that mattered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe is that good enough to be in contention? Is that good enough to lift the suffering label? I don't think it is. I, I agree with you. I think you need to, no, to make I, the playoffs or be at least right there. Half, half the league makes the playoffs. Man, you know, I mean, it used to be less than half the league or more than half the league before, but now, you know, 50, literally 50% of the league makes the postseason. All right. that, um, that's fair. So, I mean, you know, I, it's, you know, everything that we saw, like, you know, the second half of last season is extremely encouraging. Mm-hmm. It's extremely encouraging. And I know it was always the, uh, the running joke with the bills that, you know, in the hunt was always kind of like, yep, they're the bills again in the hunt. You know, they're, they're seven and, you know, they're, you know they're 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 five and eight, but they're still on the hunt. Like okay, whatever. Always in the hunt. <laughs> all right, you just throw everybody up on the board. They're all on the hunt. Yeah, right. this team's one and eleven. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. in the hunt. In the hunt for the first pick is what they're in the hunt for. But, um, but in the Sabers case, like, no. If if they're if they're in the hunt, like that's that's a that's a that's a solid jump up. And but I, I think that's where expectations have to be a little more grounded. Like everybody's hyped. Everybody's excited. I like that. You know, people were saying if they had Craig Anderson all season, they they make the playoffs. And it's like, no, that's almost certainly not the case. Who do like, they jump? Or, Who do they yeah, jump they, to? If, they probably jump Detroit. That's probably about it. It's kind Maybe of they like, catch Columbus. I don't know. Like, it's kind of like when we do a draft and it's like, all right, well, you should have took this person. All right, well, then who do I take out? People love to say, well, they should have done that. You should do this. You should do yeah. that. Say we should have made the playoffs or they could have made the playoffs. Okay, well, then who doesn't? Because every time Listen, you put someone in, you got to take someone out. So for right. the the Sabres to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, among these teams that made the playoffs, who ain't making the playoffs? Because someone cannot right. make the playoffs with the Sabres do. It's I think it's fair to ask what happens with the Bruins. You know, Bruins just fired their coach. That was very True. mysterious. You know, Patrice Bergeron might retire, which if he retires, boy, that team's way different. Mm-hmm. That team's way different. Like half, you know, half their great players are going to be missing the first month or two of the season, maybe three. After having surgery in the offseason, like Marshan, um, Marshan McAvoy, like all you know, these guys that are really good, like you know, maybe maybe it's Boston's time to, to fall back. But people have been trying to pour dirt on the Bruins for like the last you know three, four, five years, right? And they just keep coming back. Same thing with Pittsburgh, like you keep thinking, like you know, Pittsburgh, they got to resign, you know, Crystal Tang, they got to bring Malkin back, maybe. Like you're, you're looking at a team that you know might have a lot of changes there. I mean, they'll still have Sidney Crosby, so like. How much you know? How much are they going to really fall off? But again, people have been waiting for Pittsburgh to to get old and fall by the wayside, and that ain't happened yet. So, 
I don't know. It, it, that, that's the thing. Like you're talking about having to make up 25 points. Like that's 12. That's more than 12 wins. Yeah. It's a lot. You know, that's, a, I mean, they had 75 points, a hundred made the playoffs last season. I mean, that's when you put it into that perspective, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, no, there's a, there's a big hill to climb here. That's why, that's why in my mind, this is, it has to be, they have to be a 90 point team next season to, for there to be honest growth. Like if they, if they come through with like 85 next year, I think that's a letdown, honestly, because because uh, you you finished with seventy five, you've improved by ten points. It's like okay, cool, but you're not making the the jumps you need to make to get to right. to get to where you want to be to get to the postseason. Like eighty five gets you closer, but you're spending another year like trying to tinker with the lineup. You have other contracts to get done. Um, you know, you're looking at you know different guys that are going to be wanting more money, and it's like, is the team going to want to spend more money? You know, they they've shown that they're very eager to keep it as low to the, you know, low to the floor as they can. They just traded for a goal. He's never going to play. Right. 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 And he's making, you know, he's making less than what he's making more. He's making less money against uh, compared to what his cap hit is. So like, you know, they're the team that is able to kind of boost their, their cap by acquiring guys that make little salary, but have the fat, the fat cap hit. So like they're, you know, it's, that's where, that's where I think like this past season is, and I and I hope this isn't the case, where this past season might have set unreasonable expectations for next year, because they went into last season with zero, and they came in, you know, they came in above them, you know, like the like I got, like I said, the expectation was they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NHL. I hated them and, last year, right? And like you know, they they showed no, there was no real reasons to believe that they were going to be any better, and then they, they they were, and they played a fun style, and they were fun to watch. So, you know, there's hope, there's hope. Hope's a good, you know, hope's a good thing. <laughs> if you're Andy Dufresne, if you're, you know, if you're red, you know, hope's a dangerous thing. It's, you know, it's the hopes of things that's, that can kill a man, but it's, you know, they're in a much more hopeful spot, which is, you know, listen, this is a team that's had zero hope in, you know, since they, since they traded Jason Palmonville to Minnesota, like they've had, they've had zero hope since then. Yeah. So if they, you know, if they, if there is hope and they're, you know, and listen, if they're, if they're in the hunt in February and, you know, close to the hunt in March, I think that's, I think that's a bonus because that means they're doing well enough to be close to a hundred points to be even in the consideration to make the postseason. So then we're not suffering at that point. <laughs> well, if you don't make the postseason, you're still suffering. I, I, I agree. Again, 50% of the team, 50% of the, the league makes the playoffs. I agree. Now there, there are reasons again, I'll throw some of them out there. There's, there's reasons definitely for optimism compared to prior seasons. You talked oh, about yeah. a lot of them. Tate Thompson, 38 goals last year, 68 points, kind of. Not kind of. He came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Skinner, 33 goals last year. Darlene at 53 points and was an all-star. Olofsson shook off a horrible start. A lot of it, I'm sure, had to do with not being healthy. He finished mm-hmm. with 20 goals. Akposo was a revelation. 21 goals. Alex Tuck and Krebs both looked good in the Eichel trade. Uh, Dylan Cousins looked pretty good. Middlestat showed some things. We could actually stay healthy. Samuelson looks promising. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, Owen Power... Uh, yeah. Debuted. He played the last eight games. And Quinn and Paterka, they look uh they look like they're ready to be on this team next year. So there's mm-hmm. lots of reasons to be excited. But A, to your point, with temperate expectations, can you realistically expect now is your expectation Tage Thompson is going to score 35 to 40 goals next year? Right. Is uh, you know, Skinner going to be scoring 30 or more goals next year? Is Owen Power going to take a gigantic leap in year two? Ken Rasmus Darlene played great for 82 games because he has not yep. done that yet. 
And then, of course, to your biggest point, I don't think any who's, of this means anything. Goal. Anything without <laughs> goaltending, because yes, to your point, man, you know, we just thought, I, I mean, I just touched on it, but when's Ryan Miller walking through that door, the next Ryan Miller? Because that's what this team needs more than anything else is they need a, a freaking goalie, man. And until you get it, I think you do need to temper your expectations. I do, Joe, think it comes down to what's your, as a fan, what's your definition mm -hmm. of not suffering anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, I guess suffering's in the eye of the beholder, but like everybody, <laughs> everybody in Buffalo's been holding on to suffering for a while. But by the way, I love the Rick Patino callback. Rick, you know, Ryan Miller's not walking through that door. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know. That, but that's like, that leads to like one of, you know, more of the other questions, you know, is does UPL, you know, take a leap? Does, you know, does he seize the day? Does, you know, it's that's what I mean. There's so many like, you know, you know, can they what, you know, will they, you know, those are the questions. Those are the big, you know, lead off questions next year. Can so and so do this? Will so and so do this? You know, are they able to do blah, blah, blah? Like that's that's why that's why I can't say the suffering's over, because, you know, you know what happens if, you know, none of that stuff where, you know, say Skinner has, his, you know, Skinner's usually an on again, on off guy year to year comes to goal scoring so like you know what if he scores 27 next year 25 next year it's not 33 35 right. yeah you know what if Tom? you know people you know people are gonna watch a lot of video on thompson trying to figure out what makes him go well what if defenses you know find something that that you know is able to to kind of put him off and suddenly he's not you know he's not a 30 goal scorer like you know who's stepping up in the offense that's where you know that's where the other questions come in you know can dylan cousins make a jump can casey middlestat you know take another step, you know, be healthy and take another step. Right. You know, can Jack Quinn jump in and do what he did in the AHL and the NHL level? Like, that's what I mean. Like there's, there's too many, there's too many ifs, maybes, will they, can they questions with, with the team to be able to say it's definitively over. Like people get caught too many times. The freaking GM of the Sens last year said, you know, the rebuild's over with Ottawa. And it's like, no I don't know, man. Like you guys were hanging around with Buffalo last year. That's that's a pretty bold statement to make. So yeah. I, you, know, I, I, you can't make declarations like that until it's like, you know, it's easy to make when it's obvious. But <laughs> you can't be saying stuff like that until it's like actually close to being done or actually done. I would say this, and the the suffering is not over, but the hope and the optimism is much higher now than it's yes. been in, in quite a while. All right, let's uh. Let's get into our weekly starting five draft. This is how we end every podcast. Uh, let's go back to to last week. We did best Prince songs. Um, I pulled this one out. 64-36. I'll review the picks first. Um, I, I took Wind Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, Little Red Corvette, Raspberry Beret, and uh, Baby I'm a Star. And Joe took Purple Rain, I Want to Be Your Lover, Kiss, I Would Die For You, and sign of the times. The only thing I can say about this poll, Joe, is I don't really have any explanation. I thought this was evenly matched, and uh, yeah, yeah I don't, just you never know, I, man. I, you never know. It's when you turn it up on, trying to figure out what the audience likes, what the it, audience. It's not. It's not like we were picking for audience likes. There, that was just straight up like right. These are like the ten ten of the best songs, right? Ever, and so you know, I guess I it just depends on what people are into that day. I guess I don't know. Once in a it's while, weird. I don't even consider it a competition. Once in a while, I just consider it a celebration of whatever topic that we're doing. To me, right. this was last week was a celebration of Prince. Didn't yeah, really absolutely. give a shit about winning or losing. I thought I legitimately Every, everybody won. Yeah, <laughs> everybody won because we got to talk about Prince and then listen to his song. I that's, that's a win. I legitimately thought all ten songs 
that we picked were all good songs. There was no mm-hmm. song, you know, sometimes when one of us picked, I either, I tell you, I have buyer's remorse and I hate to pick immediately. Or sometimes mm-hmm. you'll pick something I don't think should be anywhere near there, whatever. More right. often, I'm wrong, obviously. <laughs> I will point out in their series, you still have a comfortable lead on me. Um, you've won 29 polls. I've won 17. No, I've won 17. So I'm still a full dozen uh, behind you. So I'm still- You're narrowing the gap. I'm narrowing the gap, little by little. I'm chipping away, man. Maybe by 2027, 20, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll overtake you. But anyway, Prince was fun. I have no idea, to be honest with you, how this one will go. I don't know how no. this will resonate with fans because oh. his um, distinguished movie-making career is so long that who mm-hmm. knows how uh, younger fans, what they've seen or whatever. But but anyway, this week we're going to do Robert De Niro movies. And of course, Robert De Niro is one of the all-time great actors. Um, again, mm-hmm. he's been going since the 70s and he's still yeah. going today and in in the 2020s so I, I i again his body of work speaks for itself one of the all-time greats and uh mm-hmm. so we're gonna you draft got, you got top pick this week my man oh, that's right i do okay <laughs> um all right you know this isn't easy sometimes we have a category no, right sometimes we have categories easy. and i and just like last week i didn't think last week was a slam dunk either you know mm-hmm. Like Purple Rain, uh, When Doves Cry could have either, I, I think, could have went one or two. toss-ups. Right. right. I think there's probably as little as three and as many as five of these that are top overall pick worthy. Yeah. Um. All right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I do have the first pick. So I'm going to go all the way back to 1980, and I'm going to go with Raging Bull. That's going to be my top overall pick. Uh, I'm upset he, you're taking Raging Bull because I... There is this. There is a different movie. I thought you were going to go with. Really? Yes. It's all good. I hope I threw I mean, you off. It, it, well, it, well, I. I mean, it was, me it was between this and the other. I think the other movie. But I'll tell you this, um, man. It was. It, I just remember this movie was so dark. Such a dark yeah, yes. movie. Even the the cinematography, <laughs> yes. it was even dark. I mean, he portrayed Jake Lamada, a, a great mm-hmm. fighter. Um, he was a great fighter in the ring and he was a piece of shit out of the ring. You know what I mean? He yes. was a destructive, uh, abusive, jealous, just a bad human being, man. Very, mm-hmm. very flawed. Um, of course, this is loosely based on a story, a, a true story. Uh, uh, it, it makes me sad too. And I know I'm picking this first overall. And again, I'm going all the way back to 1980. And I know by doing that, I'm taking a chance that a lot of people who are listening or watching Probably have never mm-hmm. even seen this movie because again, I mean, oh, man, you're that's, talking, you're talking. This is that's, a movie that's their fault, honestly. exactly. Forty-two years old, but this movie was an iconic movie. Yes. Uh, props to Joe Pesci too. By the way, was in that he played his uh, his mm-hmm. brother Joe Lamotta, his his brother and trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just portrayed such an asshole, and he did it so well. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't know how and it's like, gonna going to play. Going out. from being the boxer to being like the, the you know the fat comedian at the restaurant, end. go like. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's such a such a range of stuff. It's it's almost like the classic like art movie like you know method actor thing to yeah. do where it's he gets all into this thing. But he's I, I it's I don't know, man. I don't. That was a Scorsese one, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, think yeah. so. I don't know um, for sure, but I think so. I mean, I don't know, man. Like that's Jesus. It's so good. It's it's such a good movie. I I understand your concerns though. Yeah, because because I mean it's not one that plays on TV all the time. It's not one that's you know, right. 
it's it not, doesn't it, get mentioned a lot. It's just it's a universally respected movie. Yeah, it's not. It's certainly not one of his most uh, popular movies. This is more of a critical pick as opposed to a a box office pick. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But I anyway. Damn. Again, not. I'm it's not going to say. I I listen. I, I will never argue Raging Bull. That's a I was gonna phenomenal say, I, movie. I never. Uh, I just stay true to what, again, it wasn't easy because there's a handful of them that could have went number one, but that's just the one I look at him. I'm like, all right, I, I can't not take that. So all right, you're on the board. You got two. Okay. Now you, you're, you've been able to do good by sticking to your list, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I'm going to stick to mine. Okay. Uh, I'm going with Goodfellas. Okay. That was Timmy Conway is, I mean, just an unbelievable portrayal. Just such a, I don't need, I don't need to go into in the depth about Goodfellas, I'm pretty sure I, like everybody understands how how friggin' good that movie is. And it's how an iconic movie. It's an iconic yes. movie, and he plays a very central part in it too. By the way, one other thing before you get going with your second pick or anything else, I do want to say this too: if 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 we ever do these, and and you just make a cameo, so you're aware of this, and I can't think of anything that De Niro's just made a cameo in, but you can't be picking movies if your boy was in it for three minutes. You know what I mean? That don't count as no. a Robert De Niro movie. No. I can't even think of one that might've been, but anyway, I say that because it was kind of an ensemble cast, but he was absolutely one of the central characters yeah. for sure, man. I mean, I was I scared of him too. Yeah. I mean, rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Just, uh, I mean, that's, that was a career defining mm-hmm. role for him, but like Jimmy Conway, like he was, he was, you know, him, you know, be, behind Lorraine Bracco, like he was the number, he's like number two in that yeah. movie. Yeah. So, because so much of, of, uh, you know, of Henry's upbringing, you know, so much of Henry's crime career is because of, because of Jimmy. So. Yeah. <laughs> when he, uh, when he started, uh, when he got frustrated with more, he wouldn't shut up. And then he started joking about my money today, <laughs> today. That, that was awesome. <laughs> right, um, you got another one. So, uh, so how can I not pick the Godfather part yeah, two? Damn it. He's, he's young Vito. He's young Vito Corleone. Like that, the, that part of, of the second movie is just so fascinating to watch because, you know, you, you get introduced to Vito in the first movie and you understand, you know, Marlon Brando's you know, is the head of the family, the whole thing. Like you get it, but that's like, that movie's more, you know, Michael yeah. rising, you know, rising to power, but like, you got to know where the family came from. You got to know where all that stuff came from. And De Niro playing playing Vito, you know, forming basically forming the family, and you know, getting involved in everything there was man, like fascinating, it's crazy. It's it's really fascinating. Like it's it's just a, a just a, a like just an awesome performance all yeah. around. Like, I mean, Jesus, every not every movie in that series. The first two movies in that series are just outstanding. Just you know, top tier movie making. Put it this way: Robert De Niro literally won an Oscar for best supporting actor for The Godfather too. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, though you just picked two and three on my list, so I, it's not like See, my board is on my list. list. So I you had I had one. one, two, and three. So so far, this has went exactly how I thought it would be, and this is where I think maybe it, we kind of stray a little bit. But anyway, maybe. all right. So I got two. Um, my next pick is going to be. Uh, I'm looking here at my list. You know what? I'm going to go back to a movie even older than Raging Bull, and probably mm-hmm. not as popular, which might not play well but i don't i gotta pick it uh because I, I, I had four taxi driver going back yeah. to 1976 i played travis pickle he was a, uh, you know the movie set another, in new york city yeah, you're talking <laughs> about a piece of shit yeah Jesus. um he's pretty good at playing pieces of shit now you think about it robert de niro but this was set in new york city after uh vietnam war and mm-hmm. uh 
he's a taxi driver and a, and a war veteran. And his, throughout the movie, you could just see his mental state deteriorating. You know, his, mm-hmm. uh, he's working nights, driving the cab in the city. And it's weird because he's like, he, he's a vigilante in a way, but he's also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a bad guy and uh, just not, not a good person. And uh, I, I, I still to this day remember the scene. I don't know how well it plays out in 2022, but I used to grow up saying all the time, you talking to me? You talking to me? You know what I mean? In the mirror, when he was uh, looking at yeah. himself, that was uh, that was really cool. So anyway, I'm going to go taxi driver. Uh, this is getting harder already now. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go uh, casino. That's going to be my other pick too. Right. Okay. Uh, this was a long awaited follow-up to Goodfellas for De Niro and Joe Pesci. Not in terms of like a sequel to Goodfellas, but just them two together making a, a, a mob movie. It was 1995, so it was five years after Goodfellas. Uh, mm-hmm. Plays Sam Rothstein, Rothstein, you know, the Jewish gambling expert from Chicago. Yep. Uh, he's asked to come to Vegas and oversee that casino by the mob. Um, his relationship with Shannon, or with Sharon Stone, I should say, was was nuts. She mm-hmm. was fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man. But it was dynamic, man. And uh, mm-hmm. ditto for him and, and Joe Pesci, which, by the way, unrelated to Robert De Niro because he had nothing to do with that scene. But to this day, maybe the most fucked up and gory and uh, horrific things I've ever seen was when Joe Pesci got, first of all, he had to watch his brother get beat to death and then right. he, with the bats. And then mm-hmm. he got beat to bat, or death oh, with yeah. the bats. That mm-hmm. was just so fucked. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> it was... yeah. That... Imagine, imagine if we were doing this without without allowing Scorsese movies, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <I don't> wow! <know. laughs> three three of our first five picks are Scorsese. Yeah, movies. they are. They are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe this gets harder for you. I don't know, but you got two more now. So you went Goodfellas yeah. and Godfather two with your first two. Yeah. Um. I mean, Jesus, there's so much on the board. There's so much on the board. Um. But I'm. I'm gonna stick. I'm sticking to my list. I'm sticking to my list here. Um, my next pick is Heat. Okay, good one. Um, the the all time scene with him and Pacino. Uh, you know, De Niro's playing one. He's one of the. He's one of the. Um, you know, one of the one of the bad guys. I guess one of the robbers. You know, the the giant heist scene that happens. You know, that movie's got a, another movie with a gigantic cast. Like that's a, that's an unbelievably impressive cast of Michael Mann's directing. Holy God, mm-hmm. that is a very underappreciated movie in my mind. Maybe you know, maybe for movie people, they're just kind of what are you talking about. Of course, we appreciate it, but like, it's a long movie, so like, it doesn't get a lot of like the, uh, you know, it doesn't get a lot of like uh, TV run. Let's put it that way. But, right. But man, oh man, what a movie! That, that that's just an awesome, awesome movie. And De Niro and Pacino, Jesus, what a you know, Pacino at his best. You know, playing he's playing a lieutenant, you know, detective. And then De Niro's just, you know, De Niro's De Niro, man. He's great. He's just, that's a, that's a movie. That's a movie every now and again. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to watch Heat tonight where I just throw it on and like, I'm good. I'm good to go because it's just so fun. And the high scene, the, like early in that movie is freaking incredible. That's, that's a dynamite, dynamite movie. If you haven't watched it before. Oh, I've seen I, it. I, okay. Okay. Oh, I've seen it. I like watched it. it, man. I like it. It was, it was on my list at some point. By the way, quick side note before you get to your second one. What I remember most about Heat was, I was in New York City when they were promoting the movie, right? When it was coming out. And mm-hmm. I was at da- David Letterman's show. And Jessica Simpson was the scheduled main guest at the time. Mm-hmm. And De Niro Bacino actually did a promo for it. I was blown away. It wow. was unbelievable just to see them for even a couple minutes, man. 
at Letterman. I was there for it as the promotion was going on for that. But uh, so I always That's thought that awesome. was cool. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> um, my next pick, um, he steals this entire movie. Uh, it's Cape Fear. Good movie. Good movie. He He's terrifying. He is absolutely he, terrifying. He's and, such a good Cape, guy. Cape Fear. Cape, oh, my God. He's so good at the bad. But he's like menacing. Mm-hmm. He is thoroughly menacing. And like Cape Fear, like they made Cape Fear. That was a remake because that was a movie. What? In the 60s? I think it was the 50s, 60s, something like that. Uh, and I think the I think the role De Niro had was played by I want to say Robert Mitchum, maybe uh, I don't know I I, I, I can't remember just so I could talk about it but but like this is like the definitive Cape Fear like the first the first, original version is very good it's very good but like De Niro in this like the you know he's in the movie theater he's just you know yucking it up and like you know you got like what uh, Nick Nolte and Nick Nolte I think it's Nick Nolte. Um, where like, you know, the whole family is just kind of, you know, just trying to do their thing. And here he is just terrifying everybody. Just Wesley Snipes was the baseball player in that, right? No, 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 no. You're you're thinking of a different one. Oh, right, 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 right. I was thinking of a fan or something like that. Yeah. No, this is, Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Now I know what you're talking about. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. It's Nick Nolte and Jessica Lang or the mom and dad. Juliet Lewis is the kid. Um they did a they did a great takeoff on this on the Simpsons yeah. for you know for an episode. Oh my god! Like it's it's uh Gregory Peck's in that movie. Gregory Peck and Mitchum are in the movie. I think they might have been in the original. Like it's it's just an unreal. Movie. I'm looking it up now because I just need to know. I gotta be yeah, compl- yeah I gotta Gregory be, Peck I, and Mitchum were in the original one. They played the roles by De Niro and Nick Nolte. I gotta be one, completely so. honest with you, man. I honestly forgot about that movie or this oh would have been God. in this would have been in my probably top five or six. Oh. That movie was messed up. I it's completely really forgot messed about up. it. It's a wow. it's a terrifying, terrifying movie. And Nolte or uh, excuse me, uh, De Niro in that is just like, oh, my God, he's going to kill everyone. <laughs> Never mind, like the family that he's that he's terrorizing. Yeah. But like he like anybody he runs into, he's just like, get the hell away from him. He's absolutely frightening. Um, just an unreal performance. I, I so I got two more here. My first one is going to be uh, going back to 1987, The Untouchables. Um, great. I, he played a great Al Capone. By the way, at this point, it's been established that Robert De Niro is one of, if not the greatest all-time movie villain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he played a great Al Capone. And w- by the way, what a great cast. I mean, an iconic yeah. cast. Yeah, Kevin Costner Connery. playing uh, Elliot Ness. You had Sean Connery as Jim Malone. Andy Garcia was in that. It was just an unbelievable movie, obviously based on a true story. I probably Mm -hmm. watched that so many times. You know what? I'm going with the sleeper pick. I don't know how many people even know of this movie Mm -hmm. for my last pick. And I kind of went back and forth and we'll see how it plays out. But I got to be true to myself here. Mm -hmm. Um, Midnight Run. Nice. He did it. uh, Great movie. It was with him and, and Charles Grodin. I thought that movie was so sneaky, funny. Uh, yeah. De Niro's a bo- uh, a bounty hunter. He played Jack Walsh, and mm-hmm. the banner he had with uh, th- that Bonds Bailsman from uh, Moscone. I can't remember the name Moscone Bail Bonds, but that guy. And then of course the shit with Jack and uh, the Chicago crime boss Jimmy Serrano, who I thought mm-hmm. was fucking hilarious. Again, <laughs> this was a late '80s kind of like I don't want to say it wasn't really a drama. It was more of an action slash comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, it wasn't one of his most popular movies, but 
I just thought he stole that movie and I thought it was hilarious. And as we've talked about before, I'm starting to have instant buyer's remorse as <laughs> this coming out of my mouth. I'm like, this is going to cost me seven or eight percentage points. Fuck. But I'm staying with it, man. I'm all right, man. Listen, this is another one. None of us are picking bad movies. No, no, I like the movie. None of us are picking bad movies at all. Like I, I would like if this were a movie marathon, I would watch all ten of these in a row. Yeah, yeah. I'll 100%. let you. I'll let you know if you don't pick it. I'll let you know which one I was going to pick. But anyway, but you're gonna wrap this up. You got the last one. This one's a toss up between two different ones for me, and th- I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot, and there's a there's a couple of ones where he's outstanding at them, but like they're a, they're a lot deeper. Like if you're a huge movie nut, like maybe I throw that one in there, but like I, I'm staying away from it for this just because, you know, I think there's I think there's more enjoyable movies. Mm-hmm. This movie's arguably not enjoyable. It is dark. It is terrifying. It is. I know it, it is just a gut wrenching just I think, movie. I, I think you're about to pick what I was. <laughs> it's it's the deer hunter. Yep. Yep. God it's damn. that him and walking in that movie are like unreal. Yeah. And I mean, like that's a, that is a, it is an awful movie to watch. It is just, it is, it is not fun. It is, it is in no way a fun movie to watch. No. Um, but it's, but like the acting in that with between De Niro and walking is like, is it's holy shit level. Like I understand why that, that was, that was such a huge Oscar winner. Like that was, I mean, it's nuts, but it's, you know, know, reading up about that movie, like later on, you start to understand like, "Ah, this is kind of gross. This movie even got made. And the, like the way it was, the way it was used and the way some of the stories were told, pretty gross. Yeah. It's really gross because, you know, listen, I'm going to stay away from politics now. Just just (laughs) censor myself on this one, Pat, to, to bring it around, you know, full circle. But, um, it but was, like, but really sticking to the performances. Movie. Oh, yeah, it's a very messed up movie. It's um, extremely messed up. But goddamn, De Niro's awesome in it. He he, so he was, and it's funny because I instantly knew as soon as you started describing. It, I'm like, that's the one I was talking yeah. about. And I ultimately went with Midnight Run. I want to point out one movie that neither of us took, and I'm going to have an explanation because I'm going to predict that we're going to get a lot of how do you not take this movie, and that's The Bronx Tale. And I'm yeah. going to tell you the reason why I didn't pick it. It's not because I'll tell you right now. If this was favorite movies that De Niro was just in and had a part of, mm-hmm. I absolutely would have drafted this one. But um, to me, Bronx Tale, which I love that movie, but I don't think De Niro really had a critical part in the movie. Now, people might argue otherwise, uh, mm-hmm. but this movie to me is way more about Sonny, um, yeah. the, the crime boss, and it's mm-hmm. much more about Robert De Niro's son, C, Colangelo. I don't think, I don't think De Niro plays that important of a part. Well, again, maybe some people might argue otherwise, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. At best, he's just a supporting piece of of this movie. And that's at best. Again, I think it was much more about Sonny and C. I mean, C's even narrating the story. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong with my feelings about that, but I do predict that we're going to get plenty of people bitching about a Bronx tale, not being in there. I'm, I'm just going to, yeah, I I'm with you on that. Like I, Bronx tale, like it's good. Don't get me wrong. That's a good movie. Uh, my dad hates it because he, he says it's not believable. And the reason why is because the kid gives up on Mickey Mantle at, you know, the height of Mickey Mantle's yeah. like, you know, the whole thing, like <laughs> kids, a Yankee fan loves, you know, loves it. And he, he starts, he just stops rooting for Mickey Mantle. My dad's like, 
that is not believable right. in any way. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I look at that and I go, okay, that's a lot of real, like, this is a real story. Like that's yeah. the, like, it's like what Chaz Palminteri's like, sto- like life story kind yeah. of, but, yeah. um, but that part, he's like, my, my dad's just like, no, like yeah. that, nobody would do that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, the, the only, the other movie that I was, that was a toss up for me. It was between deer hunter and Jackie Brown. Jackie um, Brown. Okay. Jackie Brown's, it's a good movie. Pam Greer is like, she's it for that movie. Like that's, that's a her movie. De Niro, like a lot of the stories focused around De Niro's character. I don't really like his character in that movie, which I mean, I get, I guess it says about, you know, his performance to play some kind of, this guy who's kind of a low life, just loser, like making his way through and just kind of being a doof, doofus. But, mm-hmm. um, but to me, that movie is way more about Pam Greer, but it's like, it's it's it should be about Pam Greer, but like De Niro's, you know, De Niro's role is driving the story. But I just, I don't know. Maybe I got maybe, maybe that, that's a movie I might need to rewatch just to see if I appreciate it a little more. Right. But, you know, I mean, it's Tarantino, so it's you know, it's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, uh, it's uh, definitely a lot different than some of his other movies. But yeah. a couple of other ones too that I have down that at least honorable mention: a uh, Silver Linings Playbook. But again, yeah. I thought that was much more about Jennifer Lawrence and, and Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. um, than De Niro. And then, uh, which I probably, if I was going to pick a comedy, like kind of a light comedy, I picked Midnight Run. Maybe I should have went with Meet the Parents. I think that might have played better anyway. It's newer. Mm-hmm. But uh, Meet the Parents or or the sequel, uh, Meet the Fuckers. Yeah. Or uh, what, what's the, uh, uh, Analyze This? You analyze This and Analyze That with Billy Crystal. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. were other comedies. I mean, we could go on and on forever yeah. about De Niro movies. Let's recap. The, we, didn't, we, we didn't even do The Irishman, which oh, you know, I haven't seen the whole thing. I have yet movie. to. I, I know I've yet to see movie. the whole thing. I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's the truth. I've yet to see the whole thing. Let's recap our picks here. All right. I took Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Casino, The Untouchables, and Midnight Run. Joe took Goodfellas, Godfather Part 2, Eat, Cape Fair and the Deer Hunter. All right, I'll, I'll say this too. And also, by the way, the movie I was talking about with Wesley Sykes was the fan. I could have mentioned that alongside yeah. uh, honorable mm-hmm. mentions. I, I, that's, a, I, that's a that's another creep creep fest movie. I legit like I, I legit like all ten of these movies. I, I think Midnight Run might hurt me a little bit. I think you're I, me having the first pick. I, I, I like Raging Bull, and I'm glad I did. You, Goodfellas and Godfather too. That's that's a one two punch. That's gonna be a I, I predict that's going to be hard to beat. But again, we've learned one thing, bro. We don't know shit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's right. <laughs> I I just I don't want this to turn into a well. He picked, it's he picked Raging to. Bull, so that's it. Or he picked Goodfellas. Of course, he's he's the guy. It's like, no, look at the body. I, I can't stress this enough every week. Please look at the body of work. Yes. <laughs> look at everything one to ten, please. That's, you you saying that's becoming on par with Tyler Dunn, who gets mad about when people don't return their shopping carts. I say. Oh, I, I, I am I am a hundred percent of that party too. I, let I me say tell you. I say that all the time. And by the way. Whether it's my Twitter at Pamoran Tweets or Joe's at Joe Yurden, go vote. This will be on. You're hearing this hopefully in the morning, but starting Friday at noon and up for 48 hours up until Sunday at noon, I leave this poll up. So make sure uh, you go vote. Make sure you check out Maintenance Day Podcast, Joe Yurden, Lance Lazowski every Monday. This was fun, man. This was fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, man, we should just do a week where we just we just talk movies, just, you know, not even like a poll. Just we'll just talk movies all week. 